Welcome to TAIP Conversations, a series of discussions of issues surrounding the international early childhood education community in Japan. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to TAIP Conversations. I am the current president of TAIP, Alex Batten, and there are three of us here today. If I could ask our other participants to go ahead and introduce themselves, why don't we start with Terry, go ahead. Hi, my name is Terry um, Puteri's Island, and um, I am the founder and the owner of Isla International School. I started the school in 2003, and we are located at Shiroganidai. We are a small boutique school that caters for the expat community, and I'm so lucky to be here today, and I look forward to talking to all of you. Great. Okay. Thank you so much and welcome. And uh, could you please introduce yourself, Mayumi? Hi, my name is Mayumi Murada. Thank you for inviting me today. I am a founder and director of Yoho Eiken Kyokai. We facilitate English tests to early childhood educators. We work closely to universities, colleges, and semongakos and high schools where they have ECEC-related departments. After the students graduate from school, they can obtain Hoikushi Yochain license, which we'll be covering more later, later on. The license as well as English skill, who then can become bilingual ECEC teacher. Mm -hmm. And this is helping the students broaden their job opportunities and would support the needs of growing population of foreign families, not only at international preschools, but also Hoikuen and Yochain in the future. Very good, thank you very much. Interesting and welcome to both of you. So uh, today's topic is licensing and authorization at daycare facilities in Japan. The reason that I wanted to do this topic was because I myself was working in the international ECE industry in Japan for more than a decade, um, but really didn't know anything about licensing and authorization until recently when I came to a company that does daycare facilities. And I thought that there's, um, you know, a lot of people in the international school industry who don't even know the basics of licensing and authorization. And I thought it'd be really interesting to do a podcast to just introduce the basic concepts. I do want to point out that the goal of today is just a general introduction. Um, if people are interested in hearing more in future podcasts, we could do more, but we're not going to do a very deep dive in any particular subject. We're just covering the basics today. So um, without further ado, I want to first talk about some of the different kind of Japanese early childhood care facilities. Um, and the first starts with Yochien. Mayumi, what is Yochien? Um, Yochien provides care for children and helps develop their mind and body. That's the, their mission. And then the governing authority, which, is, which means that it's supervised by the Ministry of Education, mm -hmm. Sports, Science and Technology. And Yochien follows national curriculum standards. It basically follows the uh, standard national curriculum standards for, for kindergarten education. And there are actually two kinds of yochen, municipal, ichiritsu, and private, which is basically gakko hojin status. Actually, pro, a private one, which is a gakko hojin one, require three-year attendance. And municipal one, which is uh, ichiritsu, one require two-year attendance. So there's basically two kinds of yochens. Right. And children from three to five are mm -hmm. eligible to enter Yochen. And then uh, you also need to know the uh, Yochen teachers needs to hold 
uh, kindergarten teacher certificate. And Yuchian basically begins the uh, Japanese physical year, uh, April. Time usually finished by three o'clock and uh, four hours a day. That will be the kind of standard time now. And some Yuchian will extend their hours if you pay the additional cost. Good, thank you very much. So just, just to sort of summarize speaking in general, uh, Yuchians are in general, although they're changing and there's lots of different policies, they are in general a shorter day, longer vacations, and are most often utilized by families with one a stay-at-home parent, one parent who stays at home. Is that correct? Yes. Good. Very interesting. Moving on to the second type, uh, and by the way, this is going to be the main focus of our discussion today, uh, but what is hoikuen, or am I even using the right term, Mayumi? What about hoikuen, or? Yes, it's uh, technically hoikujo. Mm-hmm. Be the right. uh, word Japanese word, and then it, it's a facility at which parents or guardians can have their children during the daytime, uh, and each hoikuen has its own principles and purpose of developing a health in mind and body. That's the their kind of mission. No three is supervised by the Ministry of Health and Labor and Welfare, mm-hmm. and the children are uh, they can start from age zero. Mm-hmm. And requiring childcare due to the reasons such as parents' work, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. so maybe parents are job seeking, health issues, mm-hmm. uh, or child abuse. And the qualification for of the teacher is um, a hoikushi. They need to hold a hoikushi license. Right. Um, and the time is mm-hmm. eight hours a day. That mm-hmm. will be a standard service. And a longer childcare serves up to 11 hours mm-hmm. um, have become possible. Wow. Okay. Okay, Miami, thank you very much. So Huiquen is more geared towards uh, families in which both parents work. They have longer hours. They uh, provide, in general, provide food. It depends on the type of Huiquen. But, uh, and they, um, you know, often many of them uh, are, only, are available all throughout the year, except for national holidays. Yeah. And there's just one more type that I'd like to talk about here. Um, traditionally, Yuqian and Huiquen were the only two types, but just recently we've had a um, new type emerge in the past few years, and that's what's called a kodomo-en. Miami, mm. could you speak very briefly about what a kodomo-en is? Well, a kodomo-en is a kind of a mix of um, Huiquen and Yuqian. Children from zero to five are eligible to enter kodomo-en regardless of the parents' work and status or of the other reasons. A teacher working there for zero to two will have to be hoikushi and age three to five would have to be hoiku kyoyu, which is qualified both as a kindergarten teacher and a qualified childcare worker. And they can basically, parents can you know enroll if they wish to enroll, they can apply directly. And the um, according to the child's family situation, four hours a day, standard service for the yojian, for eight hours a day, they can basically attend. And I think that with the Kodomo and, uh, you know, the one point is that it's sort of a new project and it's an attempt to, you know, combine Hoikuen and Yochien. And um, I don't know, haven't been to any Kodomo ends personally, but I know at least within the Hoikuen industry, Kodomo ends are not, it's not yet seen as a super successful project that a lot of the ones run by Hoikuen companies tend to just function like Hoikuen's and the ones run by Yochien companies just tend to function like Yochien's. But uh, that's a little bit of a side business. So um, let's move on to Terry. Uh, Terry, yes. you, 
you are the uh, owner of a Hoikuen. And could yes. you let us know what are the basic requirements for running uh, a Hoikuen? Okay, so um, the first thing is you need a facility. So you need a school. Mm -hmm. And um, the second is you need um, licensed teachers, which is um, are called hoikshi mm -hmm. in Japanese. And well, they have to be um, Japanese li uh, licensed in Japan. And um, there is a teacher-student ratio, uh, depending on the age group. Mm -hmm. And also the size of the space that you have is accountable for the number of children that you can accept for enrollment. And another thing is um, if you accept um, newborns uh, from the age of zero years old, mm -hmm. you will need to have a registered nurse in your facility. Mm -hmm. That's a kangoshi, right? Yes, it is. Great, thank you very much. Um, which is, I think, a great time to start talking about the different, basic different kinds of hoikuen that uh, we have. There are many, many different categories of hoikuen and in different municipalities, they can be divided into further subcategories and it really varies according to where you are. So I'm just gonna speak broadly about three categories. The first of which is what we call authorized hoikuens. Authorized hoikuens, also called Ninka ends are, are the oldest kind of hoikuen, and they are hoikuens that are run entirely on government subsidies. That is to say, parents pay uh, the local city hall or ward office uh, for tuition fees, which are calculated. Uh, Ninka N, authorized schools, receive a subsidy based on the number of students they have, floor space, and a few other factors, and they operate entirely on that subsidy. Children at um, Aninka N are placed by the city hall or ward office. You don't get to decide who does or doesn't join. And uh, Mayumi, could you talk a little bit about how parents apply or are admitted to Aninka N authorized hoikuens? Well, the interesting thing is that it's the has the point system. The, there's a point system for entering daycare Aninka N in Japan, and the uh, most cities in Japan use the point system to determine priority. Mm -hmm. in terms of who gets a daycare spot in Ninka Hoikuen. The higher your points, the more likely it is that your child will get accepted. Um, and then there's like a, some examples of the, how, how to get the higher points. Like for example, like no family members, like grandparents mm -hmm. are not living nearby. Uh, both parents are working full-time or the parents is on childcare leave, be returning to work. Also like low family income or single parents, etc., cetera, et cetera. Anyway, every word and city is different. So make sure you check with city hall or mm -hmm. your word office for more detailed information regarding the point system. And then after that, mm. you need to actually wait until February because of the Japanese education fiscal year starts in um, April. It's right? just a school year. Exactly. Uh, Muninka application should be given directly to the daycare to mm. you're applying. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're applying to Ninka, your application form should be given to the word office or city hall. And then, um, and then the like necessary document will be like submit forms to confirm your employment and working hours, etc. Uh, so that's authorized, uh, so-called ninka n. And let's move on to the other one. Uh, the official term used by the Japanese government is unauthorized. I don't really like that term because it. <laughs> makes it sound like the school is operating illegitimately when it's not. There is another kind um, that came along and it was invented to sort of supplement authorized schools. And it's um, Muninka. Uh, and what can also, once again, within each category, there are many subcategories. But 
um, Luninka and also called Ninka Gai schools are uh, the parents do communicate directly with the school and place their kids directly in the school. Uh, there are still subsidies and inspections, but the level is lower. Terry, you operate uh, this kind of school. Could you tell us a little more about it? Um, well, Ninkagai is um, a hoikwen that mm -hmm. is unauthorized. It means like it's a school, like in, um, a, a registered school, but you don't get um, fundings from the government. Right, excellent, okay. Thank you very much. And then the third variety, I'm just gonna talk about very quickly. There's a wide variety of local varieties. And these are uh, specific kinds of hoikwens that were set up in different cities, in different wards, in different prefectures to accommodate the individual needs of those, um, those specific local governments. Uh, some were set up you know, so that they could be built inside a company and service the people who work within that company. Uh, some are uh, very, very small. And there's a wide uh, number of local varieties that really varies by municipality. But uh, we won't get too into those categories because this is a general overview. Next, I'd like to talk about a couple of years ago, the government began to offer a subsidy to parents to help pay for childcare tuition. Uh, Mayumi, could you give us uh, an overview of that? Yes. Um, well, the, the, the children needs to be enrolled either Ninka Gai or Ninka Hoikuen mm -hmm. in order to receive the subsidy from the government. And for age children zero to two, they'll get 42,000 yen. Mm -hmm. And age three to five, get 37,000 yen, okay, from, for, as a subsidy. Wow. And uh, Terry, in your experience, uh, how is this money paid to the parents? All right. First, um, the child has to be enrolled in a Ninkagai school. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, when um, a child is enrolled in our school, mm -hmm. the parents will go to the ward office and consult the ward office saying that, oh, you know, um, we have enrolled our child in a Ninkagai school and we are, we want to do the process of um, getting the subsidies. So to get the subsidies, both parents have to work and um, the people from the ward office will give them some documents to fill in and um, after they filled it in, they will send it to me and I will have to do Hankor and sign it. And I will have to make sure that the um, information that is written in there is accurate. Uh, for example, um, the information that is in the form is um, about how many days that they attend mm -hmm. and the hours and how much did they pay. Mm -hmm. And um, usually, um, they have to do this process for every three months, which is um, in March, uh, June, September, and December. After I give them back the um, the forms, um, they will submit it again uh, to the ward office, and I think they will get it. They will they will get the amount for three months inside their bank account within a few weeks. I think. Uh, right. So in other words, they pay the full tuition in advance and every three months they apply to get it back. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's very interesting to hear about. Uh, next, I want to talk about something uh, and that is the inspections. Uh, all Hoikwens are subject to annual inspections um, and inspections are called Kansa in Japanese. And anybody who works at a company that does hoikwen can tell you that the phrase kansa strikes heart into the fear of everybody because they are a big deal. Uh, Terry, could you tell us a little bit about what kansa annual inspections are like at your school? 
Um, so, well, just hearing that word brings me chills. And <laughs> <laughs> cancer is like a nightmare for any school owners and even the teachers. I mean, like everybody gets really intense uh, because there's a lot of uh, preparations, paperwork involved. And um, what will happen is usually our school year starts in September. So by no, uh, October, end of October, we will get a lot um an envelope, um, a really big envelope with lots of documents uh, to fill in and submit to um, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government. And we have to do it within uh, less than a month. And in that, there's a lot of paperwork involved, like um, insurance, how much is the tuition, how many students do we have, um, the map of the facilities, so on and so on. Yes, oh, that's yeah. it. And... Um, um, after that, with uh, for us, um, in January, usually, they will give us a call, but unfortunately, we will, we will not be around to pick up that call because we're usually open in the middle of January. So, and they're really smart. Although we didn't get the call, they'll just come and pop up and say, hi, we are here to do the check. And there's usually like uh, three people, um, one from uh, the ward office and two from the Tokyo Metropolitan Government. And mm-hmm. they will come and check our facilities, check our paperwork. And it usually um, lasts about two to three hours. Mm-hmm. But um, last year during the start of the COVID, um, they came. But it was still intense. Thank you very much for sharing. And I, I was talking to you the other day and I think you mentioned you did Say there were some benefits though to concert to inspection that you felt. Most of the time you you don't know really know, you know, if you're doing the right thing or you know if there's another way of doing things. So uh, basically when they come, I try to consult them about how I run my school, you mm-hmm. know, if it's um if it's um okay, especially about um sanitary. Um, for example, uh during the COVID, um mm-hmm. I was concerned about about hand washing and then I talked to them and they asked me um how many sink do I have and I said and you know like every building the, our apartments they have to have three sinks and mm-hmm. so I said well we have three sinks one is in the toilet one is outside of the bathroom and the one is in the kitchen and they said well when you come back from the park what do you do and I said well you know we use um the sink that is near the toilet and they go like well you can do that but what do you do when you want to wash uh the kids hands uh, before lunchtime and then I said well we do this we use the same sink and they said no you cannot do that you have to go to the kitchen because of you know bacteria and germs so um that's a lot to learn and especially like how do i hang the towels like they asked me not to hang the towels um near to um like for example you have to have like a a space Mm -hmm. between two towels to make sure that um no germs will you know um spread out so that was like really good information and then especially um i consulted them about what will happen if one of my students or one of my teachers get covid and they were like no you know we'll walk through uh with you um through um um all the steps that you have to follow so that was really great that was really a relief so it was a bit of a comfort well i'm still nervous and i still have nightmares about them but i also feel that um it's comforting to know that i still have so i i have support um in you know in these bizarre times great well so thank you that's very good and if i could speak for a minute on my own experience of kansa because it's something i've just learned about in the past couple of years you know uh, all hoikwens especially authorized ninka hoikwens you know you have a book of regulations and for ninka it's like this thick 
and it's totally dependent upon you know uh, municipality and all these different things. And it covers everything from rules about the facility, the number of teachers, the amount of floor space, the behavior of teachers, the way food is prepared and served, things about the toys in the classroom, really just you, you know countless, countless factors. And in addition to those, that book, which is released annually, the, all the regulations are supplemented throughout the year. So you're getting emails or letters from the um, local government, for example, about uh, COVID-19 update policies or, you know, when things happen, they'll constantly be updating them. And about a month before CONSA, uh, at least in the case of Ninka, and they tell you when they're going to come, it's like all hands on deck for the entire school, the entire company, everything else grinds to uh, a stop and everybody is focused on getting through CONSA. Because if you're not compliant during CONSA, you are given a amount of time to fix whatever it is. And if you don't fix it, then you could you either, get a penalty. Yeah. You could pay a penalty or even your school could be shut down temporarily or permanently. That's, That's a little true. bit extreme. But they'll say we're coming back in 60 days and you better have this, this, and this. So, and, uh, you know, getting through CONSA is a lot, a lot, a lot of work to make sure you're compliant. So um, if anybody's wondering about what it's like, you know, the payoff between having or not having these regulations, it's a, a lot of time and effort. What I do is I usually um, give them the information, like the updates and the revised information within 24 hours. I just want to stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. All right, moving on. Hoikwens, uh, Mayumi mentioned a little bit earlier that Hoikwens are staffed by workers known as Hoikshi. Mayumi, could you let us know what are hoikushi and how do you become a hoikushi? As I explained to you earlier, um, hoikushi is a child care worker mm-hmm. holds national qualification. The hoikushi-san can take care of zero to 18 years old. So hoikushi-san, if you hear hoikushi, it sounds like you know you they can only take care of uh, young children. Actually not, it's zero to 18. Oh. Not only early childhood facilities, uh, like for example, orphanages, orphan facilities for children with uh, disabilities. Right. You, you know, Hoikusan can also work uh, those facilities. And an interesting thing is that uh, within a couple of years, nursing mm-hmm. homes, um, so Hoikusan can maybe possibility work at the nursing homes as well. Oh, wow. Very interesting. So I don't know any countries um, holding national qualification has an advantage and stabilities. How okay. do you become hoikushi? Yes, um, there's actually uh, two ways to become hoikushi. One is to major mm-hmm. in child education and graduate from Japanese university mm-hmm. or junior college or uh, vocational college. Mm-hmm. Uh, obtain certification when you graduate. And the other is to pass the hoikushi examination, which is held twice a year in April and October, every year test centers in every prefectures. So if you were to become hoikushi by going to school, uh, you will have to attend the school for two years to four years. Okay. And what's this test like, Miami? You There's a nine subjects total mm-hmm. and it needs to pass all nine subjects. But if you are aiming to pass within two years, uh, you will have to pass two subjects in one examination. And it's paper-based uh, test with the multiple choices, with the bubble. Mm-hmm. So no sections of writing in Japanese, but just simply choose one from the multiple answers, score 60% to pass. For if you are thinking of taking hoikushi examinations as foreigner, uh, you don't have to, it's not necessary that you're like 
fully uh, Japanese bilingual um, can write and read. There's no really a section to write in Japanese. Okay, thank you very much. And so uh, following up on that, is it possible for a, hoik, a foreigner to become a hoikishi? Yes, yes. There's no rules about being- There's a... no rule, there's no rule. Mm. But if you were aimed to take the hoikishi exam, uh, held in twice a year, because if you're working, you're, you cannot really uh, attend a school, right? Right. So uh, you will be able to study on your own pace mm -hmm. by purchasing the textbooks or take online course and prepare for the exam examination, which yeah. the fee would be uh, 12,800 yen um, each time you take. I see. Very interesting. Now, very interesting to hear that foreigners can become hoikishi. And even more interesting because I only just recently learned that the first foreign hoikishi in Japan is actually with us today. Terry. Really? Yes. Really? Terry, tell us <laughs> about your experience um, of becoming uh, the first foreign hoikishi in Japan and what it was like. Oh, wow. I was so young. That was like over 30 years ago. It happened in uh, 1989. Um, you know, Malaysia started this Look East policy. So there was a lot of documentaries about Japan on television, like, you know, 24-7. So everybody was into Japan and um, there was a lot of scholarship offered. And uh, one of the scholarships was about early childhood education, mm -hmm. and which caught my eye. I got interested. So I applied and um, I was accepted under the Mombosho uh, program. So I was a Mombosho scholar. I came to Japan. And um, interestingly, um, during my time, uh, before you come to Japan, before you arrived in Japan, um, they will um, usually uh, tell you which university you're going to uh, so you don't have to do any entrance exam or anything like that. So I was pretty lucky. Um, so in, in my case, so I came to Japan and I did the um, Hoikishi program. It was interesting because uh, it was the beginning of internalization. So there were not many foreigners mm -hmm. and um, I just had to learn Japanese. So because there was, you know, um, nothing written in English and there was no ABC multiple choices um, um, tests. Okay, so you have to write, you have to do everything. And there were um, subjects about psychology, biology. Um, that was really interesting for me, uh, you know, how to change diapers. And um, there was a lot of training um, in between. So I had to go through that um, in Japanese. Yes. And um, the interesting part was they also had one of the subjects was uh, playing the piano. And as my uh, Mayumi said, you know, like uh, right now, uh, if you take the exam, I think it's much more easier. But during my time, um, you do not play a song. You have to play classical music on the piano, which mm -hmm. I dislike. And I wasn't able to <laughs> master that because I have no mm -hmm. um, background um, in learning to play the piano. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, um, I think, the um, Mombo show and the um, university was very kind enough because um, they had a special tutor for me uh, mm -hmm. during my summer holiday. So I couldn't go back home. I had to stay and practice playing the piano. Until now, when I look at the piano, I get really scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have um, other teachers that play the piano in my school, not me, yes. Very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Mayumi, are Hoikishi still required to play classical songs on the piano? 
I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's much easier now. Well, we had a rapid decrease of hoikushi. I think that's test got um, easier. Good to hear. Good to hear. Mm. Okay. Believe me, it's not <laughs> easy to become a kindergarten teacher in Japan or a daycare teacher. <laughs> but actually, it took a lot of um, work. the eligibility um, of mm. taker is pretty strict. Have to have the uh, graduate certificate from the university. Um, I'd like to close with a question today. Um, you know, this could be a different podcast, so just please speak briefly and generally. And it's, what do you think of the future of the day, uh, Japanese daycare industry looks like? Mayumi, mm. what do you think about the future? So this is just my personal, um, you know, perspective. But um, with the uh, rapid growth of uh, foreign population, there'll be a big need for um, foreign hoikushi. Actually, one of the major of Japanese government is to feel the decrease of Japanese labor population. Plan to welcome 500,000 foreigners mm-hmm. within five years. So after this you know, pandemic gets a little settled down, then I think that the government will start uh, welcoming more foreigners. So uh, especially for uh, um, you know, prefectures, other prefectures like Akita, Hokkaido, and agricultural uh, right. fabric. But most of them are from East Asian countries and they're young. Um, I think, you know, among those young people may think that they would like to uh, live in Japan, you know, staying, continuing to live in Japan. They'll get the family here. So I think there'll be a growth, totally different group of those who are at the international preschools right now. So I think there'll be a need for the foreign hoikushi. Interesting, interesting. So the declining Japanese population and the incoming uh, foreign labor is going to produce uh, the need for foreign mm-hmm. hoikushi and there'll be more foreign mm-hmm. students in hoikushi in the future. Good. Mm-hmm. Terry, do you have anything to add about the future of Japanese daycare industry? Well, I believe that every child deserves to go to school. So I hope that um, Japanese government would consider um, bringing in more um, foreign um teachers, daycare teachers, because, you know, like there's um, a lot of international marriages right now. Mm-hmm. So this will help children that, you know, for the first language, which are, is not Japanese. I think that there should be a lot of changes, but I've been here for more than 31 years. I have not seen many changes yet to That's come, true. but hopefully there'll be more changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. we can make those changes if we support each other. So, which I think is really important. Absolutely. I think those are all really good points. And I just think that moving forward, you know, obviously we have more foreigners coming into Japan who are going to be able to both, you know, want, need childcare and provide childcare. And the other thing is that, you know, UOTNs uh, and other services are in the decline because more families, there's more women in the workforce and more families have two working parents. So there's, there is going to be more of a need for Hoikwen style childcare where people can have their kids in daycare. Uh, safely and reliably and practically uh, while both parents work. And that's going to be needed for the Japanese economy in the future. Mm. I totally agree. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, This has been a really interesting conversation. Obviously, it's a deep topic and there's so much more we can go into and maybe we can in a future one. But I want to thank both my guests, uh, Terry Zylon and Mayumi Murata. And uh, once again, I'm Alex Batten and we've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much, guys. And this has been TIP Conversation. Thank you for listening to TAIP Conversations. This has been a presentation of the Tokyo Association of International Preschools. To find out more, 
please visit our website at www.tokyopreschools.org. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help to spread the word.